phone. I'm recording it on my phone. And we're going to start with a prayer. Ah, so grateful, so thankful to join together in recognition of the love of God as our very being. So grateful and so thankful to open our hearts and open our minds to the infinite intelligence that is our true nature and our true identity. So grateful and so thankful to say yes to our holiness and our wholeness. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and we call for healing, expansion, clarity, a revelation of truth, a revelation of healing. We are grateful and thankful to move into this place of openness and receptivity, willingness and gratitude. We are grateful for the gift that we've given ourselves in coming together. We are grateful to receive the gift that is unfolding. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let the healing be. We allow it to be, and so it is. Amen. 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 All right. So, so, I'd just like to start with what I perceive is the biggest challenge for everyone, and that is a sense of worthiness. A Course in Miracles tells us that the only problem we have is that we believe we're separate from God. And A Course in Miracles also helps us to see, to understand that we feel unworthy because we believe we left God. Uh, My exploration of it is that uh, the tiny mad idea that we forgot to laugh at, as it says in A Course in Miracles, uh, the tiny mad idea is not just separation, but it's that better and worse. So the whole, uh, that was my reminder that the radio show which I pre-recorded and don't have to worry about because it's going to start. Um, so uh, the the better and less than is the real crux of the problem. It's judgment. It really, really is judgment. And every single client who comes to you, or however you use these teachings, and we'll get into that, um, it's going to be about judgment. It's going to be about recognizing and eliminating or releasing the attachment to our opinions, our judgments, our interpretations, and the meaning we made of things. 
Now, I know for myself, when I, uh, I became a spiritual counselor in this way. Uh, so I started taking uh, classes at Agape in Los Angeles with Michael Beckwith. And I had two years of pre-practitioner classes. And then I had two years of practitioner training before I became a licensed spiritual counselor. And I had many exams. I had written exams. I had oral exams. And I had many, 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 many hours of um, serving in different ministries in order to become a licensed practitioner, which is part of the ecclesiastical body. So in a church, the ecclesiastical body is the minister and everybody who's not a layman, but people who are official church uh, officials, uh, not administrative, but um, part of the uh, spiritual leadership. So in Science of Mind teachings, there are the ministers and practitioners. That's the entire ecclesiastical body. Uh, in uh, the Catholic Church, you've got priests and nuns, and you've got monks, and you have... Um, Yes, cardinals and all all different kinds of aspects of the ecclesiastical body. So a practitioner is trained to be a spiritual counselor and also to be able to hold a prayer field, a field of prayer, and to pray with people, a prayer practitioner. So what's evolving in uh, the Power of Love ministry, which is the one I started, is that we're going to have ministers uh, who are also teachers and spiritual counselors and prayer practitioners. And so ministers will need the spiritual counseling training and, uh, counts and counselors may or may not come to need the prayer practitioner training. But many people would like these trainings, but maybe they don't wish to be a professional. I never intended to be a professional practitioner when I started a practitioner, spiritual counselor. In fact, I literally told my friends, I, I will pay you money not to have to listen to your problems. I really do not wish to listen to anybody's problems or help them with that. That is not something I have any interest in doing. That sounds awful to me. That sounds like something I would pay money to avoid, right? But I, in, in uh, at Agape, for some reason I don't understand, they said, you can't go into the prayer, into the practitioner training unless you agree to see clients. You have to be willing to see clients. And so I kind of did that thing where you cross your fingers behind your back, and I said, okay, I'll see clients. But I, I, what I did was I said, okay, God, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not going to lie about it. I don't want to do that. But I'm making it clear. I do not wish to see clients. But if clients come to me and they ask, will I help them, I will help them. I will sit with them. But I am not going to pursue that. It's not what I would like. I will do my best to avoid it. But if they come and they ask me, I will see them. And before I graduated, people started asking me, how soon could I start seeing clients? And you couldn't see clients until you, you were officially licensed. So, um, but
but then immediately I had appointments. So I was like, oh God, you know, shaking my fist at God. But um, what I've seen and witnessed in my own life, so I, I got my license in 2000. So that was 18 years ago. What I've seen and witnessed in my life is that the ministers and teachers who have worked with many clients, they really know their stuff. They know it. Because when you sit with hundreds of people and you listen to their particular experiences, their feelings, their manifestations in their relationships, in their physical body, in their life, in their mind, in all the ways that our thoughts manifest, our beliefs manifest. You see all those particulars. You learn so much about how this world works and how God really is completely benevolent and that this world is about exploring. You can choose whatever thoughts and beliefs you would like. You can make whatever decisions <coughs> you would like and you will have the gift of experiencing them to whatever degree you'd like. That's the gift of this world. And so all my sitting with clients who uh, were just the absolute gamut of kinds of things, um, I came to see how beautiful God is and how, how perfect this world is. That was the gift I got from my clients from day one. I began to really get that. And I also, I made an, uh, uh, the, the commitment that I would sit with clients and my job was to know their perfection. No matter what they told me, no matter how convinced they were, no matter how fantastic their story was, my job was to see their absolute beauty and perfection. And there were many times, particularly in the first half a dozen years, where they would be so convinced of their wretchedness or their ugliness or their problems. And I would say, but I would really see it, you know, see it underneath all that they had made up. Of course I did. I did. And I sometimes I would just start crying like I am now because it was so real. And that taught me seeds that is true for me. Every client that came, particularly in the beginning, particularly the first few years, brought me my issues. And they would tell you that in the practitioner training, they're gonna bring you your issues. Just be prepared for that. Because when people bring you your issues, like let's say that you're having uh, major relationship issues and someone comes to you for their relationship issues, what's your first thought gonna be? Who am I to help this person? My relationships are a screaming hot mess. Who am I to help someone with this issue? I don't, like, I'm lost in space on this issue. But that's how God works. That this person, you're sitting with them, your willingness to know the truth about them, because that's 
That's really what spiritual counseling is. It's a willingness to know the truth about them. Your commitment to that will bring a healing for both of you because you share the same mind. And it's miraculous. Is your sense of unworthiness. And every client who comes to you will bring you their sense of unworthiness. And ultimately, they will help you heal your unworthiness. And there will be times when you're seeing clients and you're charging them a fee that you will want to say, you know, like let's say you charge them $100. You're going to say, and I'm you a check for $500 because that was amazing and I feel healed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seriously, you, you will, there will be times when I mean, there were times when my client would leave and I would just fall to my knees and say, thank you, God, God, thank you, God, thank you, God, thank you for my getting that client. And they will feel that they received everything they needed. And you will have feel that you received so much more than they did, that it doesn't seem right because you don't feel worthy. But we have to remember that we're all one and all are worthy. We're worthy of everything that comes to us. And one of the biggest obstacles for spiritual students is they're not good receivers. Receivers. They're not good at receiving compliments. And if you're not able to receive a compliment, how good will you be at receiving insight and wisdom and clarity? So you're, the time that you spend sitting with your clients, you're practicing being receptive to the all good of God, to the insight, the wisdom, and the clarity. So your sense of unworthiness is the, the thing that you will come up against it as your major obstacle. And the, that's, the one, that's the biggest thing we're going to work on this week is the sense that who are you to do this? Like, for real, who are you to think that you could ever counsel someone or offer them anything that's worthwhile? When look at what's been happening in your life and look at your challenges. Who are you? Are you kidding me? And um, I, I remember Michael Beck was telling this to students, saying that, and some of your friends, you know, once you become a practitioner, a minister, uh, for us in our training, he would say, you know, some of your friends are going to be like, oh, really? She's a minister? Her? I don't think so. Because I know that woman, you know. That, and that's going to play in the back of your mind. And you, you train yourself to just say that. Is, has no power. It's nothing. That's not what's true anymore. That was an opinion from the past that no longer has value. But that's going to be one of the main things we're working on this week. And that's why in this training people have so much healing. So my goal for you is that you will have so much healing that Literally, when you go back home, 
you may feel disoriented. Because remember, our orientation coming in, our identity coming in, is very much tied to feeling like we have problems. It's very much tied to feeling unworthy, or where, at wherever our troubles are. That's part of our identification. That's why we have them still, is because it's part of our identification. So in this training, we're doing a lot to release the false identification and allow the true identity to be revealed. So you're going to be coming up against the, the habit of clinging to your false identifications. And will you argue for them as our clients do? So I've had clients who start to say things like, in the beginning, I don't hear this much anymore because I'm more skillful now, and so I don't trigger people as much as I did in the beginning. Um, and uh, but people would start saying, "No, but you don't understand how big my problems are. Like how this is real. This is very real. This problem." And initially for me, helping people to look at it as a, a belief that's been manifesting, they're like, uh, no, no. I have this belief because of what manifested. So this, this is the, the foundation of how the world works, is our manifestations in the world are the byproduct of our thinking. The world is not changing our mind. Our mind is producing the world. You see what I'm saying? So that's that's a big thing. And uh, when I began, I I used to speak at different places where people were not steeped in these teachings. They were new to them, and they were dealing with lots of fear. And speaking in those groups, I would get clients who <coughs> didn't know much about spirituality. And so I was teaching them about spirituality at the same time I was counseling them, which of course was perfect for me because that's really my thing is teaching. I would rather teach people to be counselors than uh, I, I feel that's my directive now rather than counseling people myself. So I, um, I don't promote my counseling sessions. I promote my counseling. And I'm, I'm very glad that now I have a deep commitment to, to refer my clients out to my students so that uh, they can get the practice. And it's going really well. It's going really well. Has anybody had a counseling session with someone who's in the certification program? So and how, how did that go for you?
Yeah, a good counselor will never make you wrong uh, for what you believe, but will help you recognize when your thinking is stinking. Yeah. Tamara? Yeah, and how did it go for you? Good. She learned a lot too. Good. That's great. I learned that I talk with men about the thing that I'm going through with mm -hmm. Mr. DJ and him with the Trump going to two retreats <laughs> back to back. Mm. So I had to, and some things wasn't going <coughs> the way I thought, you know. So yeah, just good. And so, um, some of you may go into the certification program afterwards. Some of you are already in the certification program. Um, you know, I've signed up for the whole enchilada. And um, so one of the things is that you can look forward to really is working with many spiritual counselors in the program uh, on a donation basis. And this is the thing I've seen across the board, uh, regardless of what people are doing with this training, they have a, I've just seen across the board that people are continuing with regular sessions and they are speed healing their life because of doing that and really moving through things very, very quickly. And I, I think that's a tremendous benefit. And I've had people who have done this training who were attorneys, uh, people who were in business, and they used it in that way. Some people, it was more about uh, being able to have better relationships, better listening and communication skills. So there are many different reasons why people do this, uh, and not necessarily that you would wish to go on and be a counselor. But I, I would just like to know from everybody, if you have a sense, since I asked you to speak about your intention, if you have a sense of your intention and what you would like to do afterwards, after the training. So we'll go around in no particular order. Has everybody learned everybody's name yet? Because we're a small group. Carol. So I was saying in, in the retreat last time, there was someone in the group and we had um, 16 of us. And there was someone in the group said, I'll never learn everybody's name. And I said, well, you can affirm that or you could just <laughs> learn everybody's name. And they were like, oh, I'm not good at it. And I said, well, let me give you a, a way to remember people's names and that will help you. And I really have learned that having some kind of way to remember it, like um, Carol, I, 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 just as soon as you asked, I thought, you know how I, I, I know Carol's name? And I, I just, but I would say, well, you could say, uh, Carol's like a Christmas carol. She's bright and cheery and, and, and fun. Tamalyn. Do you have a way that you help people remember your name? Mm -hmm. um, I learned the word Tamalyn is a Pamela. Oh, that's a good one. Carolyn. Well, not Carolyn, but Pamela. 
Pamela. Pamela. What do you prefer my friend to call you? Ah, I prefer my real Gina, my name. Pamelin. Pamelin. Or you can call me Penny. Did I spell it correctly? It's P A M O. Oh, okay. N N L. Cam and Lynn. Okay. Oh, Cam and Lynn. L Y N? L Y N or L Y N N? Because one of the things that I ask people to do, where did that go? Uh, is to spell it for me. That yeah, helps right. me, the visual helps me to remember it. Yeah, me too. So we have. Hmm. Did I spell it right? Hmm? And we have Emily. And Steve, you like Steve? Yeah. Some people are Stevens. And we have Jenny. Right? No E. No E, okay. And then we have Patricia. Patricia. So just seeing it will help also. Vishali. Vishali, yeah. It is. Do you know what it means, Vishali? Mm -hmm. Never see that coming. <laughs> yes, I do know. <laughs> it means the observational quality of self. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. The observational quality of self. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. What a wonderful name. Jennifer comes from Guinevere, which means the white wave. And I do not believe that Guinevere was unfaithful to King Arthur. I think that was made up. You know, as they often trash the pure women of... Oh, yeah. With <laughs> Lancelot. I also don't believe it about Lancelot. I just don't believe it about either of them. I think they were pure. Mm -hmm. And um, my middle name is Helen, which was my both my grandmother's names. And Helen means bringer of light. Mm -hmm. So in the Kundalini tradition, people often take spiritual names, and like Vishali might be a, you know, a spiritual name. So, um, and I feel like I already have one. So the white wave, bringer of light, Jennifer. Um, it's worth looking and seeing what your name means. You can Google it pretty easily. So uh, who was going to go first with their intention? <coughs> Would you like the intention after or, or during? Because you, you, you <coughs> well, I kind of took away the idea that you wanted to set an intention for the class. Yes. Because then when you were speaking just now, I thought you said that the intention was after the class. Well, I'd like to know what you'd like to do with the training, and then what is your intention for the time that you're here? I could read. I have mine. I can read it. I okay. 
if these guidelines be binding and completely reprehensible to Congress rules and their planning basis. I probably need Charles, that's my husband, to completely accomplish this. However, I deeply desire to do my part to be the focal point of hearing in this matter. I then would like to step into a new phase and hearing within myself. I don't really know what that is. I haven't really thought of actually being the HDFO counselor, but with more inner healing, I believe it may be right for me in the future. Beautiful. Beautiful. I have to fight for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I visualize, I try to remember to visualize the highest and best for the situation and for the, all of us involved. Um, and I think we've come, up, we've come further in the last several months, whether or not here we are. <coughs> so, we're doing it. Mm. And moving forward, I think. So it's not just me. Mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful thing. Thank you, Charles. Um, do you see any difference? Uh, is, is it just terminology, life coach or spiritual healer? Or which word? Or life coach? Well, you know, uh, I think that's a really valuable question, Steve. And I'll say that. I do think there is a difference. For instance, um, Jenny is, what is the title that you're, the, the course that I give? Yeah. Counseling and psychotherapy. Counseling and psychotherapy. Yeah. So there's different kinds of counseling and what we're doing is spiritual counseling. Uh, so spiritual counseling is looking at things from the perspective of all is one and all healing is at the level of the mind and that what we see and feel and experience in our physical, emotional, mental experience is a product of our beliefs. Whereas uh, I don't think that they would say that in other kinds of uh, counseling uh, and therapy psychology, psychiatry, I don't think they would say that, that at all. And I also, the life coaches that I've known, some of them are very spiritual, but some of them are very pragmatic, and they are going to be talking less about your feelings. So there are people who are business coaches, life coaches, so there's different kinds of coaches. And I've had a number of people doing this training who were family therapists, social workers, psychologists, um, prayer practitioners, ministers, um, also uh, life coaches, executive coaches. So and I, I'm certain that every single one of them would tell you that this is different. Maybe similar, but different. Yeah, it's a really good question. 
And I think if you just focus on that what we're doing here is we're really affirming that all healing is at the level of the mind. So we're not we're we're seeking to shift the circumstances of our life, but not by not truly not by having conversations with people or trying to make things be different in the world. We're starting with uh, something in my awareness is bringing this experience to me. It's like um, if people lose weight, right, they change their eating habits and they change their exercise habits, but they don't change how they think <coughs> about themselves and how they feel about themselves, then that, uh, how, whatever the manifestation of the weight represents, in this world, it's going to come back some other way, or it'll come back with a vengeance. This is why people lose weight and only to gain back more, because they haven't changed their mind. So we're really going to the root cause of things in our work. And the great thing is, is we don't even have to know what the root cause is in order to have a complete and total healing. So we'll, and we'll get further into that. Do you want to share your um, intention for the week and what you'd like to do after the training with what you learn here? Yeah, I would like to. Uh, I would like to learn how to bring out the best in other people instead of giving people my judgments. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, this is a big process, so you know, I've got a lot of opinions and I like to share them. So. <laughs> So yeah, I would like to be, I guess, a spiritual healer. I think I feel like there's one definition. A life coach came in and put different. Um, I'm, a, I'm a master captain. I'm a Florida master of natural. And I'm trying to uh, do that <laughs> in your program now. Yeah. A master communicator, yeah, a master <laughs> lover. <laughs> I get tripped up on words a lot. So. But anyway, yes, I'd like to be a, a spiritual healer, I guess. You know, I've always kind of felt that in me. I don't know why. Awesome. Um, and uh, that's my intention. You know, after the class, I'd like to go on and on and help people out if I can. You know. Fantastic. I'm telling you, this is such a growing field, and it's so uh, valuable. Right. I, I see it. I see it's a growing field. I want to be a separate one of it. And, uh, I've always been 10 or 15 years ahead of the flow, mm -hmm. I feel, in life. So I'm just trying to get some more perspective so I can start that. So planning on taking it on. Good. Excellent. And you're brave. Look at you. You you, you have you have the mas masculine strength to balance out all seven of us. So that's great. Yeah, it's true. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Who who's next? Tamala. Yes.
it was created in chapter 5 and we really want to hear it. Um, can I speak? It's always good to hear um, that. And then, um, and I, and I've been wanting to do that, you know, just remember what my intention of doing it. And so I would like to, um, yeah, young people in that audience, because of, of course it's my own place and I'm not getting into that. And so that is the, about the mother, listening to Lauren Winston, you know, talk about the mind mm -hmm. and you. And that would be great. And also I can also be in turn also if I have coach as well. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. So I see the difference, but they can implement very well. Very well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this week, I want to work on attachment, letting go of attachment to different things because there were so many um, uh, things going on <laughs> this morning uh, with the phone because I can't get a connection and uh, I don't usually, when I'm out of town somewhere, you know, visiting or whatever I'm doing, I don't usually do look at my phone or look at nothing, but I've been kind of like occupied these two days with uh, coming out of that retreat that I just came out of and following through with some of that. So I had to like say no to what was going on and focus on here. So that's, to me, that was kind of like an attachment or something that could have been. So I would, you know, I want to release that and my sister's death from last year mm -hmm. because she came up in my mind today. And I didn't know where that comes from. So is I'm attached certain things were happening today with me and Carol in the room. We wanted to be silent and it's like <laughs> stuff was just coming up about different things and weeks. So I remember my counseling session, um, my counseling, spiritual counseling with my, with the person um, that was given to me before, you know, in your, in the group. Right, in finding freedom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember what they were saying because there was attachment there. And we were talking heavily about that. So that's what I want to do this week to get rid of those attachments so that I can move forward this week. Beautiful. <laughs> after I get out of here. Beautiful. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I okay. just have to say <laughs> how much I love that your hair matches your shirt. Yes. <laughs> I have to say that. Yes. I love that Thank so you. much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Well, you'll have to tell me about that. Yeah. I'm into colors. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I was telling her a little bit today. She was like, Carol was like, after we broke our silence, so I said, you know what, Carol? They moved rooms this morning, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll be better tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. We'll learn how to call for the call. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, who's and I appreciate you too, Jennifer, for this. Thank you. For all that you do. I, I can tell you, it's my answered <coughs> prayer because I, I just, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to each one of you who has the courage to come and do this work, and just no matter how you proceed with it, you'll 
just every day of your life, you'll bring so much more benefit. Truly. Truly. Yeah. I just, I see that with the people who have, who have done the Sigmund Gustav Emerson. That's what my life was about. Because I, I, my life was a hell of my own making. And it's not anymore. At all. It's a joy. And I wish that for everyone. I and I continue to do the work every day but now it's happy making it's not you know it's not painful occasionally it's irksome you know and it's like uh, okay but you know it's I I don't cry from unhappiness anymore at all so I'm pretty happy about that <laughs> Seriously, I cry tears of gratitude all the time, but I, I, I mean, my, my dear friends, their child died last fall, and I cried quite a bit over that, uh, but it was just empathetic, really, the sadness of a little baby crying, but also the, there was a lot of beauty in the experience, so I cried for that, too. Right behind you, <laughs> <laughs> and and you're beside me, and you're beside me. We're doing it together, and that's the thing I, I love too is community. Mm -hmm. And so I see this ministry growing, and my goal is to give many, 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 many people, thousands of people, jobs, doing this work, teaching, teaching classes that I'm not going to teach. I can't wait till the classes on parenting. And like Angela wants to teach classes on marriage and relationship. I'm not, that's, that's not my thing. No, I would like to teach cla more classes on teaching and counseling. So I'd like to have people offering classes on the 12-step programs and whatever that people would like to teach classes on, you know. That, that's not my calling. So that's, I'm, I see us as a spiritual university unfolding, employing thousands of people mm -hmm. so that in every major city of the world people can know when the free forgiveness workshops are and they can go and forgiveness is just spiraling around the globe yes she did I got to meet Dana last weekend no the weekend before, the weekend before. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it was a week ago Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's lovely. Oh, my God. She's a beautiful woman inside and out. Yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Who's next? And speak up just a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, things I'd like to let go of and expand into this week for letting go of fear and doubt. And then expanding into love, health, and understanding. Um, this is previous year, probably more like a year or two ago, I was living with my friend feeling like I wasn't staring at the temple and having that kind of either rise or so this is a year where I focus on just deep communion with spirit and just really in gratitude alignment 
and I feel like I need to see what I can see being up here for myself. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah, so much alignment will happen this week because it's really, the week is very much like detoxing thoughts and beliefs that you just can't, can't be congruent with anymore. Yeah. Great. Yay. May I ask how old you are? How old I was? Okay. Well, see, see, because a lot of times people don't look the age that they feel. So um, I would, yeah, I would say you 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 present a a, a, a more uh, like I I would have said maybe thirty, but you you feel a bit younger than that. So that's great. Wouldn't it be how and how old are you, Jenny? Thirty. Yeah. Well, I'm 30. I know. I'm 32. I know. Please. <laughs> Me too. It's wonderful, though, because, I mean, I started on my spiritual journey in my mid-20s, but I, I was just really very slow, slow, slow journey. I was so attached to my beliefs. So it's wonderful to see so many people who are just jumping right in, flying at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whenever I see my age is 61. Okay. I feel 61. I feel like sometimes seeing my patients. Yeah. They're not different. Yeah. But that's my age. Emily, you might be the youngest person who's done this intensive, and the oldest one was 80. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can imagine that. No. Mm-hmm. No. All right. So, who's left next? Okay, so I'm just kind of summary singing. Um, so I'm letting go of fear, anxiety, and worry, um, expanding into trust, love, and freedom. I just said in order to be consistently loving in all my relationships. So I'm transforming and healing, yeah, all the relationships. And I do feel called to, in fact, I've had that this year <coughs> in Africa Living and the community. So being more involved, so I can see myself doing spiritual connection with them and further off after that. Um, and I feel like a lot of the fear and anxiety is like around my family. So I'm just releasing attachment around my family's identity as well as that's you know instilled in me um, and then I was just laughing because I wrote these yesterday as notes where you do aspiration intention goal so my aspiration was I rest in God my intention was I am as God created me and my goal is I gratefully receive the truth so it felt like they were the and my willingness card that I pulled was I'm willing to know I am one with everyone mm-hmm. so what you were saying just now Beautiful. Yes. So you've also gotten a lot of clarity from being at the Stop Playing Small retreat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good.
You can go last if you prefer. Um, that's okay. Um, so um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. It's, it's this year for me is about um, clearing and releasing. I just want to see how you are clearing, releasing, and then who I am at the end of it. And you know, see if I can see any guidance from there. So um, I just wrote down, and I, I don't know. I just wrote this morning that I'd like to release. Um, God, I feel like I have a long thing that's just going to come out. All fear of others. Um, all sense of better than or less than or superior and being curious. Um, all sense of having to be what others want me to be. Um, all sense of having to prove myself to others when I feel like they're judging me. All feeling that I need to be, um, you know, extra nice to people who I feel are judging me because I think I deal with judgment by being extra nice to people. And I just, I, I don't know, I don't know why I do that. And I just want to let that go. Because I feel not the right way of dealing with it. Um, I want to let go of all people-pleasing. Um, I want to let go of all my assumptions about others. Um, I'd like to let go of the whole desire to be liked or, or accepted by craving to be liked and accepted. Um, I'd like to let go of everything that stands in the way of just being who I'm meant to be in this incarnation to fulfill my highest and best purpose. Um, and of course, I'd like to release my judgment 
of our bodies and of our judgments that we have to have. And <clears throat> my intention is to expand into equality consciousness and harm to law, um, acceptance of others as they are, um, a sense of complete acceptance and relaxation with whatever is, and allowing others to be who they are without judging or comparing. Mm. Excellent. That's so it is. <coughs> Good. A lot of clarity. So important. That's one of our main functions as spiritual counselors is helping people to have the courage to get clarity and look at what it is they really would like to have or let go of. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I do what I do because when we work <coughs> together, even just as one other person, we have so much more courage to look at things. And uh, one of the main benefits I see of spiritual counseling with my clients is, like I remember one time with a client who had been coming very regularly, like almost every week for years, um, said one time, I have to tell you something about me and I'm, uh, today's the day, I have to do it. I've wanted to do it for a long time and I feel very, very nervous about it because I'm deeply ashamed about this, that I did this. But I feel like if I held it back from you anymore, I'm not being honest with you. And you should know this about me. And I honestly, I can't even remember what it was now. But um, so they told me what it was. And I was like, okay. And they said, well, aren't you going to ask me about it or anything? And I was like, no. I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But, And <laughs> she said, don't you think so much less of me now that you know that I did that? And I said, oh, no, no. No, it doesn't change anything. And she, really? How can that be? And I can't even remember what it was, right? <laughs> Seriously, I cannot even remember what it was. And I said, no. And she knew I meant it, that I was not BSing her. And that was a major healing for her because she had so much shame around it. And she actually was able to let the shame go because of telling me about it and seeing that I did not judge her for it. So that is one of the main gifts that we give to our clients is being able <coughs> to give them a space, a safe space to share with non-judgment. It does not mean that you will have no judgment. But you don't make it part of the session. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to change them. You're there to see their perfection. They may want to change themselves, but if you find yourself wanting to change them, that's when you go into your own self-prayer. Just like you would if you wanted to change a loved one or somebody you work with, somebody you know in your life. If you feel like you want to change somebody and make them be different or change their behavior, 
it's understandable, but that's where you can have a healing. And the clients, believe me, clients will come that you will find annoying and frustrating and irritating, and they are there sent by God mm -hmm. to help you work with your mind, to help you find the splinter in your mind that's judging that behavior, and to help you see that all judgment is really self-judgment. And the ones who really bother you the most, they are your reflection in the mirror. They really, really are. Because the ones who are, let's say, seemingly irritating or frustrating or annoying or whatever, but it doesn't bother you so much, you can accept it, they're not the mirror. They're not the mirror. You've accepted it in yourself, so it doesn't bother you, right? So let's say you, let's say if you, can anybody think of a personality trait or habit that you have that you don't like? And when you see it in other people, you're like, ugh, I hate that. If you can't think of one, Complaining. Uh huh. <coughs> yeah. So when you see people who, when you encounter people who are complaining, who feel insecure, mm -hmm. seem to be insecure, mm -hmm. it, it irritates you, it agitates you. Mm -hmm. We're sisters. <laughs> we are. Because that, th those were the things that used to bother me the most. Because mm -hmm. I was a chronic complainer. Mm -hmm. And because I was a chronic complainer, I was deeply insecure, right? Because every time I was complaining, I was judging, I was poking a hole in my sense of security. And also, you know, I needed to be around somebody. Always, it's a distraction. I'm doing somebody that I wouldn't talk. So I would always, you know, my voice would be very low. And I would speak up for myself, so I would have to be around, I would attract a person that could talk more and hide behind them, because they would say what I wanted to say. Uh-huh, okay. And that's how, um, what's happening now, that uh, when I see that behavior in another person who I'm friendly with, or with, that they do the same thing, I say, that's me. So I appreciate that, because that's a mirror and reflection to let me know how I've grown Yes. And I can still see it, but I've still got to still work on it because it comes in a different level. Right. Exactly. So now when I see people who have uh, are complaining a lot or people who are very insecure, I have compassion for them. Because I learned to have compassion for myself, and that helps me to heal the need to complain all the time and the resulting insecurity that constant complaining naturally brings. And then when they do it, it's like, and they, and then they want to like grow, and then they, it, they, they cling to me, so they, because they know that I have all the resources to grow them, and so they take on those things, and then when 
they are acknowledged for it, it's like it makes me so, like it happened this weekend, it's like, oh my God, I'm so happy that she was standing up there with me. Yeah. And everybody else was like, that has been there on numerous of years, had not reached where she was, and she reached that accomplishment in such, like a month. Or because she, she she took on the challenge and she did it. And, and she, she had your support. Yeah, and I was so happy with her. And she was like, and you know how when you're taking pictures, how people stand behind you. Know, she was like, she was standing behind me when they told us to come up. She was like standing like behind me so she couldn't be seen. And I would like be like this so she could. <laughs> and I wanted to like bring her up, but I let her just, you know, she has a back too far. But I, you know, I wanted her to, you know, to own that, that moment, because she just, she earned it, and it made me so happy to see that, and also to be her friend, you know, because there is, a, you know, it was implement. She implements me because I've grown from her. Right. <laughs> right. And she won't take the acknowledgement that I've grown from her as well. Well, that's one of the things that we learn to model is when people uh, acknowledge us that we can say, thank you, I appreciate your acknowledgement. Thank you for noticing, I appreciate that. You know, versus saying, oh no, it's not, no, you know, it's not. Mm -hmm. Pushing it away. Mm -hmm. It's about being receptive. Mm -hmm. Somebody once told me if you want, if you would like to practice being more receptive, Dress really beautifully all the time. Because especially the people who aren't used to you doing that, mm -hmm. they will give you lots of compliments and you will either receive them well or you won't. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had been friends with some very beautiful women who dressed gorgeously and saying, oh my God, look at you, you just look like a goddess today. Mm -hmm. And they can't even acknowledge it. They say, look at you. Mm -hmm. They can't even take a moment, a breath, and say, thank you. I feel pretty today or whatever. Yeah. I want to see that movie, I Feel Pretty, with Amy Schumer. Has anybody seen it yet? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm interested to see that. Do you know the premise of the movie? Yeah. So she's Amy Schumer, uh, playing, you know, a woman who looks like Amy Schumer. <laughs> Uh, who is um, who's a very attractive woman, who, but she's not skinny, she's not thin. And she, in a spin class, you know, she has a belly and she has arm fat, she has a real body, and, but she's still a beautiful woman. And she, she hits her head in a spin class, she falls off a bike and hits her head. And as a result of the head injury, her, sh her perception shifts and now when she looks in the m mirror, she sees a supermodel. And so her whole demeanor changes. So like if a man says something to her in a store, she thinks he's hitting on her. And he's like, no, I was just saying, you know, what, what number, can I see what your number is? And she's like, yeah, right. You know, and so her, everything in her life changes because <laughs> she now believes she's a supermodel. So. Because she's had a lot of people hating on her because she's not thin. <coughs> it's crazy, but that's, these things are falling away. They're being brought to light. So.
complete? Hmm. Yeah, but wait, wait, what about the um, things that are being merged, like some of the people that we don't know? Isn't that also? Well, Vishali the, uh, the hasn't given her intention yeah. yet. So I just wanted to go back to that. Sure. Yeah. So um, my intention for the class is, um, it's been happening, but it's like I want to set it, I want to expand it. And that's really just um, closing the split mind, you know, from uh, spiritual stuff and worldly stuff. There's, you know, it's the same stuff. So just really bringing that together more broadly. And also, um, it's context specific. There are times I'm completely open and, um, and of course, I'm not feeling anything spooky or spooky or anything, but like there's always times that I feel uh, naturally guarded. And so, um, just to like be able to guard uh, no matter what, and also just closing that split mind. And then the intention moving forward is to um, really, well, really be super vigilant on choosing Holy Spirit over over the mind, over the ego mind. You know, and um, yeah, and that's the process, I guess, right? And what I plan on doing with this, we'll see. Uh, it just seems like it seems like it's been a natural progression, but what I'm doing with the work I'm doing, that it's already been happening. And I'm like, okay, so I'm really good for three hours with somebody. What would I be like if I'm ongoing with them? Mm. You know, like, it, and maybe I can get myself out of the sun and not work in the sun six, seven hours a day. That would be nice. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, so I'm thinking, let's well, let's just see what percolates with this. That's great. Yeah, I see that happening for you. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's follow that since it came up about the mirroring. Uh, so Tamalin gave us the example that the, the the thing that she sees in the reflection of the mirror that bothers her, irritates her, upsets her, someone who's complaining, and someone who's insecure. And those two always go together, you know. And I'll I'll give you an example, um, and it's just it's really because only because we are getting to know the personality of our president so much. So he's a complainer, right? He he and I have the same enneagram type, right? What, what is he? What do you think? He's he an is? eight for sure. Uh, Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, he's totally an eight. I'm an eight. Martin Luther King Jr. was an eight. Well, there's a high end of everything. There is. There is. And I aspire to the highest end. Who knows? Maybe Jesus was an eight. Um, so eight is the leader or the boss. He's a two. <laughs> you think he was a two? You know, when I take all the Enneagram tests, I come across as a two, but I'm an eight. I'm a definite eight. And he was a leader, so we'll see. But um, an Enneagram? Enneagram, it's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. It's a, it's a person. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Right. It's a personality typing system that came from the Sufis. Nothing to do with numerology. Nothing to do with numerology at all. No. And um, I, I have found it very helpful, and I can recommend some books. But what were you saying about yeah, so he appears to be a person, a personality who complains a lot, right? 
And he also appears to be someone who is deeply insecure, does he not? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> right? So you could say he has all this bravado and this bluff and everything, but he, he, he cannot handle, he, he could never laugh at himself. Right? He has yeah. no ability for self-reflection or um, humility, right? Just on the weekend, people were saying, hey, it's wonderful that the North and South Korea yeah, yeah. are having these talks, and how much did Trump have to do with it? And he's like, I had everything to do with it. Like, all of it is me. You know? it all, if any of it him? Well, in a sense, it doesn't matter. Oh, I mean, right. it does, but it doesn't. But the thing is, is his personality, ha he has to have 100% credit. But someone who is secure would say what? What would a secure person say? Well, I'll shut up because I did my part. It happened. You know, mm -hmm. It takes a team. Yeah. It takes a team of people. There's many people. I could never take credit for it. It takes a team. We have a wonderful team of people, and I'm so grateful for my partners on this team, right? Right? Mm -hmm. You would say something like that. Or people have been working for decades towards right. this. And finally, and finally, you know, I, I get to help put the cherry on the top or something, you know? But, you know, I, you wouldn't take credit for it if you had humility, right? If, if you felt secure, you would be able to give everyone their due, right? See, and that was the thing is, I, I feel so much like that's where I used to be, so insecure and always attacking and criticizing because I felt so insecure and so insecure because I was always criticizing and attacking. It was a vicious circle. So what, what is the thing that you see in the mirror that irks you the most? When, you, when someone has those personality traits, it just makes your skin crawl. Neediness. Right, you have an aversion to it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I used to have a horrible aversion to neediness. Mm -hmm. Just like really like just get get off of me. No, I can't I can't even have a conversation with you. Yeah. Anger. You have an aversion to anger or people oh, yeah, who are I angry? Have anger in my <laughs> I had a lifetime of anger. Uh-huh. Which I'm I'm really thankful that I give it up every day. Every day. So what it is when we recognize so when these... I see that or hear it, it's hard. You have an aversion to it. Mm -hmm. You notice you have an aversion to it. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful to recognize those aversions because it really is an aversion to something in yourself. Mm -hmm. Just like all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. This is so helpful to really recognize your aversions <coughs> instead of managing <coughs> and coping with them or ignoring them or self-medicating them, to go right up to them and say, it's all right, sweetheart, it's all right, it's all right. Because the aversion is the self-judgment. Yeah. It is the self-judgment. It's saying that that is just awful, awful, awful. It's frightening, it's terrifying, it's the worst, it's so bad. It's, it's so These are the thoughts that are the aversion. So when we have an aversion to things, other people's personality traits, it really is the disowned in ourselves, the unloved in ourselves. 
And your clients are going to bring this to you almost every session. They're going to touch on their aversions. And the only way to help them with it is to love them and to help them love themselves. So A Course in Miracles says it this way, all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. That's the aversion cure is self-forgiveness. What about you, Emily? Do you notice any aversions that you have? Mm-hmm. A couple that come to mind would be like negativity. So if I'm talking to someone, it's usually through my mom, who's like, oh, hey, and she's always like, oh, your dad's pretending stupid, or I'm like, blah, blah, blah. And immediately when she yells at me, I get onto her bad luck. So it's definitely <laughs> an aversion I have. And also like people who are totally oblivious, which I judge my boyfriend for a lot. <laughs> he doesn't notice things that he sees and consider then he's like not paying attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, do you know other people who aren't paying attention and seem oblivious? <laughs> Are any of them women? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's because a lot of times there's a, a perception difference between men and women that men have the ability, generally, masculine men have the ability to be very single-focused. And so, it, and women generally, feminine women, are have a diffused awareness. So it's a difference in awareness that um, sometimes men, masculine, the masculine personality will get mad at the feminine personality for not being able to really focus. And, you know, because I know women will often, like, here's an example, all right, of uh, uh, critical, and this is really important to understand because, Steve, if you're going to counsel women and the women here, because you all strike me as mostly feminine women, that if you're counseling men, uh, knowing some of these differences is really helpful. So, for instance, a woman might say to her husband uh, something like, Honey, oh, i got to tell you what happened to me today, right? You're not going to believe this. It was unbelievable. Such an incredible thing that happened. So, remember I said I was going to go to Bloomingdale's today? I was going to walk uptown to Bloomingdale's, and I was going to return those shoes that I'd gotten for the wedding. Remember the blue ones? Um, and remember the thing just didn't, remember I, I, the bow fell off and I, I hadn't even worn them yet. So remember I said I was going to take them back and the husband's like, okay, yeah, I remember something about that. And she's saying, so I'm walking uptown to Bloomingdale's, right? And um, as I'm getting to almost to 59th Street, I think that's where Bloomingdale's is. Yeah, there, I'm almost there, and you remember that corner, 57th Street, where there was that little Italian place? It's not Italian place anymore. Now, it's this incredible store that has these teas. And it's like a tea emporium thing. That it's unbelievable what they did in there. It's like, it, it's, like it's a world, a British world. It's almost like Harrods. Remember when we went to the food halls in Harrods? And that was just like so the store. So I, and he's in there, and he's like, 
And, and she's saying, so I go in there, right, to the store. And by the way, they have that, that thing that you got. Remember those cookies that you like? I got you some of those. <laughs> so um, I went in there. I thought, I'm going to see if they have that kind of chai, that decaf chai that has some lavender in it. That's, there was, you know, I, so I went in there. And he's like, what am I tracking you, <laughs> right? And the end story is that <clears throat> when she was in Bloomingdale's, she met somebody that told her this thing, right? It's, and the man is like, what am I tracking you? Because the single focused masculine man is, he's the guy who's like, I'm hunting the deer. I'm hunting the deer. So I'm not doing other things along the way to hunting the deer. I'm just hunting, hunting the, the deer. deer. So everything from the minute I, like from the two, the day before, as I'm prepping, everything is about hunting the deer. The day before, what I'm eating, what I, when I'm going to bed, what I'm laying out for my clothes, what I'm doing in the morning, and everything, the time that I'm leaving the house, and the light in the sky, and the way the wind is, everything is about hunting the deer. There's nothing ever else happening. But if the women went to hunt the deer, right, if they managed to get into the field where the deer might come, as soon as they sat there in the tall grass waiting for the deer to come before sunrise, one of them would say, I just want to tell you this thing that happened last night. you know." And then the other one would say, oh my God, my husband does that too. What do you think that means? And then the deer are going by, and they're like, There'll be more dear later. This is really important here. We need to tell you about this, you know. And the men, you know, would they would just sit there. If they had to sit there for three hours without saying anything, they would be fine. But women, three minutes, they'd be like, just tell me what happened. And half an hour later, they're like, I know. They're talking loudly now. It's just... But the other thing is, is the, the women all along the way, while they're talking and listening to all the nuances and the voices and the stories and everything, they're noticing these berries are ripe now. And we can get them on the way back because there's no need to get them now. We'll get them on the way back. These berries are going to be ripe next week. And these <laughs> berries over here, they're poisonous, but they're starting to show. We need to make sure that the little ones don't get into those. And this over here means that. And so... But for the guys, they're, they're not seeing those berries mm -hmm. unless the deer are going to be eating those berries. It's totally different. And one of the things that um, I can tell you, and I'm telling you this now because we have Steve here. We always have men in this training. But when you're counseling a man, it's very different than counseling a woman. And so when you're counseling a man, there will be times, and you can know this too for counseling men, Steve, is that there will be times when, let's say, a man is telling a story and he pauses. And you need to be know that he is just pausing and it is not a time for you to talk or interject or ask even a question, but just to sit and sit and you might end up sitting there for a minute before he continues 
because I've, I've had it be in the intensive. Sometimes we do counseling uh, in front of the group, and we may or may not. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. It just spirits always guiding it uniquely to who's ever here. But and I've had where a woman was counseling a man, and she would interrupt him. Don't interrupt men when they're talking. It's different than women. Do not do it. You will get them off track. It will not. It's, it's, and when you ask them a question, they may take a full minute before they answer. They're, the masculine male is different than the feminine female. So we, we learn to be very respectful of that. And to women, sometimes it can seem like an eternity. And like when a woman is telling a story, sometimes she will be telling you 20 different things like circling and spiraling and spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. I know when I'm talking with my friends and we're just talking and talking and someone will say, can I just change the subject for a minute and just tell you about this thing? And I'm like, of course you can. We are women. We can do that. We can hold 20 different <laughs> threads of thought and put them all in the same spiraling basket and it all is perfect, it's delightful. But men, they would start to feel nauseous and want to get out of there. <laughs> You're laughing, but do you, are you aware of these, these, these kinds of patterns? In <laughs> My husband would say, what about the shoes? I mean, he would exactly. Just, his mind would just still be, what about the shoes? Right, because you started with, exactly, because you started with the shoes, right? And that's what, exactly. But the shoes are nothing. They're nothing. They're just the reason why you were walking down the street. But the shoes have nothing. And women would be like, the shoes? <laughs> Who cares about the shoes? I returned the shoes. I got I, and I took the credit and I went down to silverware and I got little spoons because we've got company coming. What do you care about that? It has nothing to do with anything. Right, because you started with the shoes. You led with the shoes. That's it. Every man is going to be thinking, what happened to the shoes? And, and women, if you never came back to the shoes, women would, why would they care? It wasn't important. Steve, are we on track here with that, right? Yeah, because my husband would do that. But women don't like to be interrupted either. Do women like to be, I, I mean, I haven't noticed many women who don't mind being interrupted. It's different. We, we interrupt each other all the time. Um, and we just we flow with that interruption. If it turns if you're if you're if you're talking about a really deep conversation, and someone comes in and interrupts that, that's not okay. But yeah. in 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 life conversation, we're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, but, but when when a man pauses, you know, they really are they're really deeply going really deep to get an, an answer. Mm. And if we ask him a question, and then we think, oh, he needs another prompt. And if we ask him another question. Now he's on the second question, and he's actually going into talking about the first question, and then you ask him a third question, and he gets really frustrated because that's an interruption. His pause is 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 a pause for us. It's like, oh my God, there's silence. Oh my God, you know, where do you go? Where do you go? You know, we need to connect with them. So we really have to connect with each other. So there's really a pause. But when they're when they're pausing, if we interrupt them, then that is actually a massive interruption to the, to the thought process. 
Why should it that promoted interruptions to female thought process cannot be interrupted? I mean, it's easy to have some interruptions. It can be. It definitely can be. And my experience is it's not quite the same. And what I also notice is with my girlfriends, they can interrupt me 10 different ways. And like, I, I have a friend who is my best friend and she frequently will interrupt me. She will. She, and and I, I don't take it personally, that's just how it is. Yeah, that's just how she is. She's excited, she wants to tell me about something or ask me a question or something. But when I'm at work, right, and I'm giving, it will happen this way, just I notice it happens with different members of my staff and they learn to stop doing it. But I'll say, so I was thinking about this weekend, and they'll say, you want to do this and this and this and this, right? And I say, no, that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking something, oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, they'll do that. They'll interrupt me that way. They'll finish my sentences. And, and almost invariably, they don't actually finish my sentence. They bring up something different. Or they think they know what I'm going to say or what I would like, but they don't actually know. And so they've learned not to interrupt me when I'm giving instructions. And it's different. And sometimes I have uh, friends who are working with me on a project, and they learn that when we're working on a project, better not to interrupt me, just let me finish my thought. But when I'm teaching, I, a lot of the times, I, I, it's important that people interrupt me if they have questions, because I might continue for another 10 minutes. And that's fine. And I can also say, okay, I'm making a note you would like to share, and let me finish my thought, and then you'll share. But I, I, I just think it's invaluable to notice people are different and to notice about interrupting. Because I've definitely interrupted clients who were sharing and then regretted it. So it's just, and I think what you shared, Vishali, is really important, that men will pause and they're just going deeper. They're not giving you room to talk at all. They're just looking for the next layer, and they're taking their much time. Much I think we need much, much slower with everyone. We take more time for everyone. Be the thinker, be the contemplative person, be <laughs> slower, be the almost everything in life. Yeah. And I have to respect that and use my brain often. And some men, I am literally taking my second bite and they have finished their meal. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Mm -hmm. They're like, let's order dessert. And I'm, I'm still on my appetizer. We play a game. If we play a game with our kids when we get out of work, I say, well, grade you again. <laughs> Does he take so long to come up with his answer? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah some things are worth. Yeah. Some is, things are worth is. waiting for. So. I just feel like how you described men describes me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. I feel like I need time to slow down. You know that I can take time to answer a question. You know, form mm -hmm. a feeling for my answer mm -hmm. and formulate the words. And that, and that if you interrupt me, then that's kind of what. And I would say the same thing for me sometimes, Patricia, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I notice many times when people are asking me, what do you think about this or that? And I'll say, hmm. And people will jump right in and they'll say, uh, oh, you don't like it. And I say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for how do I really feel about it. And people are so used to getting surface answers without people considering it. Then when I take time to actually contemplate the answer that they, they think I'm confused or I don't know what I'm doing. Or retarded. Yeah. Which means it may, you know, I had a boss who said, I want you to flag when you need time to think about something when I ask you about it. And I was like, you know, this is not going to work. <laughs> because I automatically just Pause. seem to take longer to think about things mm -hmm. than other people. Yeah, I would say if I if half the time I I'm that way. Yeah, because if I've not thought about it before, I I don't know. I'm gonna think about it right now and let you know, and I'm going to really feel it and think about it. So I'm not gonna give people a surface answer. Mm. And so I I'm right there with you. And I I I am a very feminine person who's developed my masculine in to navigate this world. So, yeah, I hear you, yeah. And for me, it is helpful to think about masculine and feminine versus uh, women and men. Because I have uh, definitely got a lot of masculine women in my life and a lot of feminine men. And I have a number of friends who are in same-sex relationships. And there's a feminine partner and a masculine partner in every single one of those relationships. Even, you know, it doesn't matter what their sex is. So let's see what time it is here. So let's finish with the aversions. Uh, who else can, s and it's, so it's 12.10, and we'll finish with this. Uh, and then we'll see where we are. And we, it feels like we're on track to break around 1230. Um, I have an aversion to profanity, like free tense. Can you hear me? Nope. Dang. So that's kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> I said I have an aversion with pretense. <coughs> so if I feel like something's shit or, or just it's being fake, I have an aversion to that. Mm. Um, so obviously it fits me and myself. So I have aversion to if, if I change myself for something or someone. Mm. Do you notice that you sometimes pretend you feel differently than how you feel? Yeah. <coughs> and what's the meaning that you make of that? And why wouldn't you be able to be yourself? Or be judged. Yeah. So you turn the judgment inward and put on a, an act mm. to cover how you really feel. Because you're judging how you really feel or what you really think. 
Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty normal. I like that one. Yeah, good. Then people start talking less. Oh, yeah. That's classic. Yeah. So can you give an example? An example of somebody who might say something? Yeah, the kinds of talking lack that um, bothers you. So, yeah, like, uh, um, well, you know, I have to make sure I get enough clients this month because I have, you know, all these bills to pay and yada, 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 and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> so then it just kind of like, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it puts me on, it puts me on guard. I don't like it. Yeah, do you know what it is that bothers you? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's, it's always been, uh, even when I was making a ton of money, um, I was a nurse for 34 years and left that profession screaming when I had to sit on it. Um, and I spent my 401 to be my life. And at 63, I'm starting over again. So I'm like, ooh, uh, crap. And so taking Social Security early and, you know, that kind of thing. But it's not like there's a huge flow at the moment. And it's like, crap, I want to be retired, not starting over. You know, uh, but this is where life led me. So so there's that time where, you know, that that's where this put me on guard. But both here, let's bring this together and bring this um, to a place where it's just going to flow. I mean, it does flow, but I'm still working hard for it. Mm. So I want to bring more ease into it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's still, a, it, at this moment, I've gone from being, being able to live to being not to not. Yeah, no, I understand. So it's like Jenny, Jenny has an aversion to... Uh, other people's opinions uh, and it's a mirror of her own self-judgment so you you're concerned about lack and limitation so when other people voice their concerns your concerns for yourself frighten you let's say and so yeah and so when other people are talking about their fears it's like I don't want to make my fears real. I don't want to think about my fears. I don't want to think about my judgments. I don't want to think about my worries and my complaints and my shortcomings. So when you bring me yours and they're in my face, I'm repulsed by it. Because it's also, there's also, it's about vibration too, okay? Like, so if, if, you're, with, if you're feeling... Uh, self-judgment and lack and limitation and you go into a situation with a counselor who's feeling prosperous and abundant and loving and kind and who can see your perfection in your wholeness then you can bring your vibration up to theirs right and so you can start to be more congruent with where they are, which is why you're there in the first place, to eliminate that those lower vibrational thoughts and beliefs. So you're there to shift. They're going to help you make that shift just simply because they're at a different vibration. They're already there on some level. So it's just like being around someone who's 
at the, uh, a more negative vibrational level than you are, uh, a lot of times, some people will like that because they like feeling superior. That will give them an edge to not feel so bad about themselves, hanging out with people who they can feel superior to. I did that for a long time, a long time. You know, it's like the difference between the person who wants to play tennis with the person who's most likely going to beat them so they can improve their game, or would they like to play tennis with someone who's just as good as them or someone they can always beat, you know? It's we're looking for uh, the, the thing that is going to give us the most bang for our buck. And for some people, it's feeling secure. Like, I feel more secure if I feel superior. That's how I used to feel. I feel more secure if I can feel superior or equal to. But now I like to be around just all kinds of people who have intention to be loving. I, I feel my teacher, Venerable Dahani Oahu, is um, a considerably higher vibration than me. She has much higher uh, greater awareness than I do, much, much, much. And yeah, I feel totally comfortable being around her. She's not judging me. I'm not judging myself for, and I'm not judging her. So we're totally copacetic. She and I have a lot of fun together. And I teach her about things in the world that she doesn't know about. And then she's very glad for that, you know. And so, and, and she teaches me about things not of this world that I'm very glad to learn about. So it's a really good match. And, uh, and I like to hang out with a large variety of people. And um, people who are intent on energizing their problems and being <coughs> self-destructive, I don't enjoy being around. But if they're working on it, then I enjoy being around them. That's the, that's the difference. So a lot of times we have an aversion to someone who has the same issue as us, but they're not working on it, they're magnifying it. And that's the thing we have an aversion to. Just notice, like if you have a friend who maybe is not always authentic, Jimmy, but they're working on it, does that allay your aversion You and your brother. Speaking of male fighting and like yeah, okay. Well, both. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, like he's he's not yet working on his. He is actually. I just yeah, I can't he imagine is. that he's not knowing you. Yeah, he just struggles with um, allowing himself to have feelings, you know, and feelings are something that he did yesterday of he was going to pretend, you know, on the phone to me, but then then he didn't. Mm -hmm. and um, 
you know, the beginning mm-hmm. to build his awareness mm-hmm. of him. And it's exciting for me to see. I just, if I expect him to be somewhere that he's not, mm-hmm. I can't help but kind mm-hmm. of be working on him in a particular way or mm-hmm. in the way that I would be. Mm-hmm. If right. He's keeping, keeping God his place mm-hmm. in his way. Um, mm-hmm. He'll ask me things like, how would you work with this? <laughs> and, you know, the unknown, but, you know, he sent me pictures of his juicing in the morning. So he's like, hey, I made a juice. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I was like, I've been inspired by you. So, you know, just things like, for me, like, yeah, honestly, I would like to just keep it fresh. But I guess my brother would think about it in a different way. And sometimes I then get confused because he tends to think of people working on their stuff as doing like a psychotherapy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so <coughs> when we were talking about my relationship with my husband, my brother was saying, you know, well, he's not really working on his stuff, you know? Yeah. And I know that the work that I'm doing is making a difference. Um, so I think that's, it's also, you know, my brother just watered um, a seed of my own doubt, you know? Mm. And so then I was like, actually, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't think that's a useful way to look at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can really relate, and I'll give another example. So I, I spend a lot of time living with my brother and my sister-in-law when I'm in New Jersey, um, though I am beginning to feel like I could have a place of my own. That spirit's like, oh, okay, now you can have a place of your own. But, um, and I could say they're not working on their stuff. They're not s- studying anything to do with spirituality or anything they don't seem to be that introspective i could make all those kinds of judgments but the thing is is i see just in the last couple years how my brother is different with me my sister-in-law is different with me that they're increasingly having uh, a, a greater capacity to not judge me and just accept me or have compassion for me and so they are working on their stuff. They're just not taking classes in it and working with a counselor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he bounces it off of me and, and will then want to talk about it because I'll tell him what I'm learning or something about what's going on. And he thinks about it for a long He'll stew in his mind, and we'll go, and then we'll go out to eat or something for a day or two or three later. And I say, hey, you know that thing you talked about? And because he's been processing, mm. well, I don't know that. Mm-hmm. And then he'll make that comment and wants to talk about it. Right. And so yeah, that's how he works sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like secondarily from you know from <laughs> the course, mm-hmm. he's doing the course too, only indirectly. Right. Yeah, he's getting it, and he doesn't always agree with everything, but he thinks really long and hard mm. about the concept and about the processes, you know, and the oneness. And I mean, he's pretty much in agreement now, or he's coming into more and more agreement. So that was interesting. I love what your husband said to you. I think it was at the end of last year. His thank you. Do you remember that? 
He said something like, thank you for something, to maybe letting go of your judgments oh, and yeah. loving oh, me yeah. so yeah. unconditionally. Yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. Did, what was he, it he said? Uh, he, for a very long time, you know, his background is so, it's similar to mine, but different. Um, he was very ignored as a, as a kid. And <clears throat> he's very strong in his own sense of self. He really is. And I loved that about him and always admired that because I had a very codependent childhood. Mm. And so, um, but yet he thinks that I, he's always thought that I'm just miles ahead of him. And I'm not. Mm. I just approach things differently um, from him. He's a deep, deep thinker. I'm really not. I never was. And so I'm pretty surface in a lot of ways. He's very deep in a lot of ways. And so he de he really doesn't give himself the credit mm. at all. And mm. I don't mean that in an ego way. I mean he really doesn't think of himself as this really intelligent person because it's not how he grew up. And so it's difficult for him. And so he, you know, he... If I make any kind of a negative statement, he would take that and internalize it about himself. So I have to be much more aware and careful to not make statements that he can internalize in for himself. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what he's always done. And so with the Course and with my learning and my processing this information and these truths that I'm learning, it's reflecting back on him because he sees now. I really, I just am learning more and more to just accept exactly who he is, the way he is, and to celebrate that. And so that was what he was thanking me for. He feels it. He feels it. He's very, very sensitive, and he feels things really, really deeply. And so that's what that was. Um, so I have to thank the Course for that, and I have to thank Jennifer and her teaching, because it's it's being reflected in his life, in his sense of self. And that's also, that that's a, another example of how we, working with clients, can really support them. Mm -hmm. So it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And many people are not used to having a relationship with someone who's loving and kind and unconditional and non-judgmental. And that, that's the power of finding freedom, that's the power of masterful living, it's the power of the power of love community is the unconditional love, creating that safe space with no judgment. It's not that we don't have judgments, we just don't wish to invest in them. And we're willing to be transparent about them. Uh, and. The, the people who really practice it have miraculous healing very quickly. I want to go back to what you were sharing, Vishali, about the finances and having an aversion to people talking or complaining or being fearful about their finances. Um, so it's very similar to the thing about people who are being critical. That it, I, At least for me, I, I would feel like I don't want to catch that. Mm. Like that thought is so close to my own thought I don't want to start vibrating with that thought. I don't want to make that real. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of my aversion, like, oh, I don't. I got to get out of here before I catch that and start ruminating on those thoughts. 
But what we can learn to do, and this is how our clients help us and we help our clients, is we, uh, we take it as an opportunity to look at the truth. What is the truth? And so, because um, in life, people, it's really, the, you see so many people are wearing their fear and worry and doubt on their sleeve and broadcasting it all the time. And then other people are masking it, right? And then there are the people who are genuinely confident and secure. Uh, so there's there are the different types. And the ones who are fearful or who are masking it, they help us to move into confidence. So there's another choice besides aversion. There's a choice to say, oh, okay, this is triggering me into looking at this aversion. This is my healing opportunity. So this is one of the yes. fundamental things that I talk about in Finding Freedom and Masterful Living is taking the trigger and turning it into a gift right away. So, because your clients will trigger you and turn, you can turn it into a gift that you can share with them right away. And one of the things um, that, you know, uh, so I've never been in your official room. What did you share? Um, you know, phone bill or food. You yeah. know, oh my gosh, crap. You know, I don't want that bill ever. But in in my in my mind, probably yes. You know, somehow. And I went like, in, and then to see, um, you know, being the quantum te quantum yoga teacher and seeing from that point, you just only 15 years ago, it's not that long ago, uh, to now. I'm like going, you know, I don't feel like going into my old age with this intact still. You know, like, so that was really one of the impetus to be here. It was like, that was like Fort Minor flash in the night, you know, like putting that together because um, I've been holding third way in the world a little separate, mm -hmm. you know, um, even when I had a lot. I was still busting my butt for it, you know, and so when you said that, that, that choice, I'm, there's something there that I can glean from and learn from, and so, yeah, you know, that's, that's why I'm here, really, that's one of the, one of the other reasons I got in here, actually, because I wanted to say that, but I'm done. Good, yeah, yeah good, because I really believe that the time for the light workers of the world to demonstrate abundance and prosperity is here. That the time of letting go of the vows of poverty that are still running the light workers of the world to be undone. I did, like, maybe three years ago, four years ago, maybe, I did a Lakshmi course. And um, what it turned out to be really was self-talk. So there's Lakshmi and Alakshmi. You know who Alakshmi is? I don't. It's a, the opposite of Lakshmi. So, oh, okay. And of course, I have you know a humorous side. To, and so there's Lakshmi, and then there was the Wicked Witch of the Apple. Like you know, people so might not know who Lakshmi is. Lakshmi is the Hindu goddess of wealth and prosperity. And I, so when I did this workshop. It really turned out to be self-talk. Um, and, and not so much about, but the vows came up, that kind of thing, like the vows, you know, um, of uh, poverty and all that thing. And I had a great meditation on that, and it was a great workshop. 
Uh, and I didn't continue it because I didn't feel like watching it, though mm -hmm. I had a great attendant. And I was like, uh, even though it was about self-talk, I still knew that I needed to clean up my own act more before I could really present that workshop or, or another way. Maybe that would be someone else. Right. But, you know, I did it a couple of times, actually, and... Um, and then it was just like, I, it, took a, it took a lot of work to put on just even a two-hour workshop. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, and I didn't feel like watching either. So I just kind of let it go. But these whole vows and, you know, ancient vows and things, that was part of that. Mm. It was letting that go. And then it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm getting more and more there. But I just couldn't do it because I didn't feel it. Mm. I understand, yeah. <coughs> and we can talk about vows uh, that are still running our life even though we didn't take them in this lifetime vows of poverty mm -hmm. or chastity or celibacy um, different vows that you could see oh maybe there's I made a vow somewhere mm -hmm. yeah <coughs> and what is the belief that started that recently I was because I'd lost my job and just in a different and also in a kind of in-between zone. And it was like, I can either be helpful or make money. It's like, ooh, I don't really want to carry that around with Yeah. Me. But I feel like that's possibly one from my family, you know? And also, you know, I remember, could I probably show this vow? It could have been another vow, you know? Could show this vow to them. Like my business teacher in school would say, you know, he, got, he spoke about making money. And then if I said something that was like, He's like, that's a social work answer, um, you know, mm. and then I became a social worker. So I just thought it was, it was funny in a way because I was like, oh, yeah, that's the path I'm going to end up taking. He was like, why are you, why would a social welfare state give people money? And he, he had such a strong opinion around this, but I guess you can take care Sounds of like it. Sounds like a movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, then he had kids, and I think that changed because oh. the state started giving him child benefits. Oh, but, you know, okay, well. One or the other. Yeah. Right. Both. Yes. Yeah. That's very I'm common. That that's yes, me too. Me too. Because poverty consciousness has to fall away and be healed in order for us to live the highest possibility of our spiritual life. Right? So it's it's the, the poverty <coughs> consciousness has to do with an aversion to um, drowning in ma the, making the material world so important and so, uh, making the material world your god, your false idol. The poverty consciousness and the vows of poverty are a, a, an av aversion reaction to being materialistic and making things your gods. So we we don't need to do any of that anymore. And in fact, we li live in an interesting time where uh, there are you could say there are spiritual paths that have to do all about manifesting, like um, the secret. You know, it's. Um, it's another path of false idols because 
yes, to be an effective spiritual leader, you need to be able to manifest what you need when you need it. Yes. And there's no reason why you can't when you are in alignment with spirit. But to manifest stuff just to have stuff, to pleasure yourself and, and to entertain and distract yourself, that's a whole different thing. And the accumulation of wealth for wealth's sake is a huge distraction. But there's, you know, like, look at the wonderful things that Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett and other people are doing with their wealth. That's, that's great. Yeah. And the Cosbys did many wonderful things with their wealth. You know, they were the first ones that, you know, that gave that huge endowments to colleges and did different things, and they were really looking to set examples. So, Emily, I think you're the only one that hasn't talked about an aversion. Oh, you did? What was your aversion? I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, to negativity, yeah. Did you say yours, Steve? Can you share yours? I don't know. That's fine. You may notice something that yeah. comes up, yeah. and that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Earlier you said that one of the things you'd like to take out of all this is the creative judgment. So if you judge someone, you must have an aversion to something in them. Is there one thing that you just physically? That's true. <coughs> I'm thinking from the standpoint of, of, of counseling someone like that in a Good. <laughs> That's great. All right, so we are at, I keep getting all these announcements coming through. Um, we're going to pray and bless the food here. And uh, it's going to be about 1245 when we walk out of the room. And so uh, we'll be back at... 2.45 then. We'll take a two-hour break. So I'm just going to suggest that we all stand up and hold hands here. Oh, so grateful, so thankful for this beautiful day of just these lovely beings out here today. We're grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds 
ever more to self-compassion. And as we move into this lunchtime, we take that with us and we bless the food, knowing it's of the highest vibration. Every morsel of it is healing and nourishing for every cell, fiber, and function of our body temple. We are grateful and thankful to bless all those beings who contributed to bringing it to our table, the farmers, the truckers, the preparers, everyone along the way. We're blessing their lives and their families. We give thanks to Mother Earth. We give thanks to Infinite Spirit, Divine within all things. In gratitude, we love you and say, Amen. 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 Mm -hmm.